Jesus, we love you, we praise you, we honor you. Help us to never be ashamed of how much we love you, for you are not ashamed to demonstrate your love for us. Oh, Lord, you are wonderful. You are worthy. We thank you, Lord, for being so kind, so compassionate. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness and your favor. We thank you, Lord. And even when we fell short, you didn't throw us away. Even when we missed the mark, your mercy was there to get us back on track. We thank you for your love and the many, many, many ways you've expressed it into our lives. We pray, Lord, help us to love you back. Help us to live lives that say, Jesus, we love you. And we thank you for first loving us. And if you believe that, would you say amen? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise and blessing. He's wonderful and we love him. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. Oh, praise God for his great love. Amen. Where would we be without that love? He loved us when we were unlovely. He chose to love us when we didn't even want Him to love us. We just wanted Him to leave us alone. Oh, the great love of God. And there's nothing more important than us telling the world that God so loved the world. Amen? And so that's why we get excited when missionaries come and share their vision and share their burden. Because as we lift them up in our prayers and as we support them with our gifts, they're going to run with the vision and they're going to run with the message to the ends of the earth, that all men might hear. And tonight we're blessed to have our, our missionary Dan uh, Lumadu. And he's being go, he'll be going, him and his wife will be going to, um, uh, not Tokyo, but Japan. And, um, and there's, a, there's a place where there's a lot of souls, amen? And there is a place where the harvest certainly is plenteous. And so, Brother Dan, come on up. Let's give him a big God bless you. And let's enjoy the word and the burden. Amen. All yours, brother. Thank you, Pastor. Well, good evening. No other name like the name of Jesus. Amen. What a wonderful thing to be in the house of the Lord. I know that we're kind of distanced and separated, but we are together. Amen. And together in worship and together serving the Lord. What an awesome evening it is. Well, my name is Dan Lamadu, and my wife, Paul, and I, as Pastor mentioned, have been called as missionaries to Tokyo, Japan. You might say, well, why Tokyo? Well, a little bit about myself. I was originally born in the Cleveland, Ohio area. That makes me still a Cleveland Browns fan, so you can either boo or have sympathy, whatever, you know, maybe you're even with me in that. But uh, anyway, I say that to say this. Um, I grew up in, in Ohio, and there are 11 million people in the state of Ohio. However, in 2007, we came here to Florida. We came to pastor a church in southwest Florida where we pastored until our transition uh, back into missions. We'll tell you more about that in a moment. But in Florida, there are 21 million people, not just in the peninsula, but the entire state of Florida. If you were to add the entire populations of the states of Florida and Ohio together, it still would not equal the number of people in just one city, and that's Tokyo, Japan. There are over 36 million people that live in Tokyo. One-fourth of the population of the nation is there. And here's the more compelling statistic. Only one-third of 1% 1 of those who are in Japan are followers of Jesus Christ. That means that 99.7% of those 127 million people in that nation 
not only don't know Christ, most have never heard the gospel in all of human history. Makes them the second largest never reached people's group in all the world. And so we are called and compelled to go. Well, I want to put something up in the next slide here to show you. I think it's the next one after that here. Uh, We want to show you a little bit about the fact. Go to the next one if you would. There you go. If you would look with natural eyes, this is what you would see. Uh, How many have ever been to Tokyo? Maybe through the airport or something? There's a number of you. That's great. Um, So if if you know Tokyo, you know, it's an amazing city. And there's a lot to see there, lights and the people and the train system is wonderful. If you look with natural eyes, you see buildings, you see all sorts of industry. But I want you to look tonight with spiritual eyes at the nation of Japan. Go ahead and put that next slide up if you would, please. You say, well, it's blank. No, it's not. In the middle of that screen is a little white dot. I'm a geek. I'm a nerd. I actually counted pixels. That is one third of one percent of the screen space that you're looking at. That's the spiritual light that is there as those who are followers of Christ. The rest of it is spiritual darkness, Buddhism and Shinto and those that don't know Christ and are chasing after the things of this world. It is a need that is so compelling and so astounding. But the good news is that we serve a God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Amen. And because of that, we believe that God is able to do that. Not only that, but also we were there. I want to show you the next slide, which shows you pictures of our family when we were. Oh, I'm gonna, you're right. Thank you, uh, Jimmy. Appreciate it. Jimmy's keeping me on track tonight. So I appreciate that. Uh, so here's our point of that. We're going to ask you to pray with us. And the way we do this is this. The symbol that you're going to see, and you, you, it was going to lead into the Olympics this summer. But, of course, uh, 2020 has been a different year. And so the Olympics are now postponed until 2021. And so here's my request of you. Every time you see this Olympic symbol leading up, up to the 2021 Olympics now, how many would raise your hand and say, I'll be in prayer for Japan. I'll pray for Dan and Paula and we'll believe God for revival. We'll believe God for the gospel to go forth. And we are just raising up an army of prayer warriors because you may be sitting here tonight saying, well, what can I do? Your prayers are powerful because this is not a human endeavor. This is a spiritual battle. And we believe that God is the God who gives victory. Amen. So we were there, as I mentioned before, uh, we were missionaries for 11 years in Okinawa, Japan, which is an island that's about 1200 miles south of Tokyo. So here are some pictures of our family and the traditional garb there. You see us there on the left. Uh, In the middle is our daughter, Danielle. And on the right is our son, Christian. We gave him a sword at that age for this picture. I'm not sure that was a good idea. He still likes swords to this day. Uh, So uh, but those kids have grown up. That was a few years ago. And as I mentioned, we came back to the States here and we pastored here for a bit. So I want to show you the next slide, which shows pictures of our kids now. Our daughter, Danielle, just graduated from Evangel University. She is a 2020 graduate. We had one of those 2020 graduations. And so we're proud of her and what God's doing in her life. And we just got the good news that Danielle has been approved to go with us for a one-year MAPS assignment to Japan. So she's going to be going as well. And so uh, she's raising her support as well to be able to join us and to be a part of that. And just God called her for that as, as the next step in her life. Our son, Christian, is also a 2020 graduate. We had two 2020 graduates in 2020. Uh, he graduated from high school, and he is now enrolled as a freshman at the uh, University of South Florida in Tampa, not too far from here. And uh, he is there on an academic scholarship as well as the Bright Futures and a four-year Air Force ROTC scholarship because God's called him to be a career Air Force officer and then become a missionary after that. So uh, the Lord's laid out the plan for his life. We're thankful, though, for this. that Both of them love the Lord and they're serving Jesus. And so Paul and I originally, when we felt called to go to Tokyo and, and God specifically led us to this church, we didn't know Danielle was coming. And so we used to tell people that this is our empty nest strategy. We're going to move the nest 10,000 miles from home and see if anybody follows. Well, we've got one that followed. We'll see what happens if Christian maybe gets stationed nearby. But anyway, uh, we're excited about what God's doing in their lives. So go to the next slide, if you would, please. I want to show you the picture on the right of Mrs. Yoshida. 
She's the one on the right. And tell you a little bit of a story about that. When we went to Okinawa, Japan, we were there. First, I was there doing youth and music. I was the associate, and then I became the lead pastor of the church. And we were ministering to the U.S. military members and their families. We love our military, love the fact that they have served and, and preserved the values and freedoms of this nation. In fact, is anybody here that's served in our U.S. military that's here tonight? Just raise your hand if you would, please. Would you give them a round of applause? Thank you so much for serving. Appreciate it. Appreciate your service. We're very grateful. And so our, our ministry was to the military community, to their families. Um, we were able to do a number of fantastic things that were there. But while we were there, we were looking at the, the, the Japanese around us that didn't know Jesus. And we said, we have to do something. And so we, we went to Tokyo. We flew up to Tokyo and we went to the electronics district. And uh, we kind of geeked around in there until we find a, an FM transmitter. And we found an FM transmitting unit. And then we needed something to receive it. So we bought a bunch of the little transistor radios. How many remember the old school transistor radios with the speaker in them and all that? And then we got some of the foam headsets with the wire strap on them. Anybody remember those from your Walkman days? All right. So we had a bunch of those and we, we had them there and we were doing translation. My translator was fantastic. She would get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, pray over the sermon notes, and I look over over in the window and she's like going at it. She's just preaching. And then so she's translating into Japanese what we're preaching. And it was great. And we thought everything was going well until one of the Japanese guys accidentally unplugged his headphones from the transistor radio, which made the, the built in speaker kick in. And we heard the Japanese baseball game that was coming through there. So so we knew he wasn't listening to the message. So, you know, Facebook wasn't the first on the scene of in church technological distractions. Uh, so we super glued the channel to the right channel for all those radios. We didn't have any problems after that. But uh, as a result of that, we saw Japanese people that were coming to faith in Christ and in a, in a way that I'm going to talk about in a few moments. But one of those is Mrs. Yoshida. Mrs. Yoshida came in and she went back home to her husband and she pointed to something in their house and she said, I want this out of our house. He said, what do you mean? She said, I'm a follower of Jesus now and this can't be in our home. He said, this has been in our family for over 100 years. We can't get rid of this. She said, no, I'm following Jesus, and we can't have this here in the home. And what she was pointing to was something called a Japanese butsudan, which is a wooden cabinet that has the sticks in it with the names of deceased family members, and it becomes a prayer point of praying to the ancestors. And she knew that being a follower of Christ, she couldn't have that in the home. And so she persisted, and he finally said, if you'll find a way to put the names of those family members and preserve those somehow, then we can get rid of it. She said, okay, and she got a big family Bible. And she wrote the names in the front of that family Bible of all those ancestors. And we brought that on that wooden on to the church, and we put it in a Weber grill, and we tried to burn it. Now, I say try to burn it because how many know the works of the enemy are not easily destroyed? And sometimes there's a fight there. But it's amazing what you can do for the kingdom of God with some liquid accelerant. We were able to take care of that. So uh, we saw that take place. And uh, here's the greater miracle. A few months later, Mr. Yoshida was there in the back of the sanctuary around Christmas time. And I was able to lead him to faith in Christ uh, as we stood there. And then later, his daughter, their daughter came to faith in Christ as well. So give God praise for that. It was just a wonderful time. And uh, this is a video clip from her being excited that we're just coming back to Japan, even though we'll be 1,200 miles away. Uh, so just incredible what God has done there. But here's what we saw. When we were in Okinawa and we began to do this translation, we were in a spirit-filled, spirit-empowered environment. How many know the Holy Spirit is the greatest agent for evangelism in the world today? That he is the one that is drawing hearts to people. And so we, we believe that the Holy Spirit speaks to us and through us. And as a result of that, as we would worship and just freely enter into that worship like you had even this evening, just a sweet presence of the Holy Spirit, the Japanese people would walk in and they were spiritually sensitive, but they didn't know the Spirit of Christ. And so they would walk in and they would literally stop and say, Ikimochi, this, this feels good. What is this? 
And we were able to say to them, this is the presence of the Holy Spirit inviting you to a relationship with Jesus Christ. The tangible sense of the presence of the Holy Spirit was a powerful agent in bringing people to faith in Christ because it broke through all the logical barriers. They could tell there's something real here that I haven't felt before. We saw this happen even my daughter's uh, baby dedication. They, both of our kids were born in Japan, uh, which made it fun in elementary school when they started telling people in the States here that they were born in Japan. And they said, well, you don't look Japanese. Biology comes later. Anyway, so, so we, 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 we did a dedication, and basically it was just about family and children and all that. Well, at the end of the service, a Japanese woman came up, and she's over on my left here just weeping. And another Japanese woman, believer, came to her and prayed, and she received Christ right there because she just said, I don't know what I'm feeling, but it's like nothing I've ever felt before. And it was the presence of the Holy Spirit. I was in my office one day, and there was a knock that came on the door, and I opened the door, and there was one of my staff members with a Japanese woman. And, and the staff member said that uh, she had been walking along the street and she came up the hill, up a driveway, up another hill to come into a place she'd never been to knock on a door to meet people she didn't know, to pull us back outside, to stand out there and point up to the cross on the outside of that building and ask this question, what is that? She didn't even knew what, know what it was, but her next statement was astounding. She said, it drew me in here. She was walking along the street, and the Holy Spirit literally pulled her up with her attention on the cross to come in and ask what that was about. We told her what it was about, and there on that parking lot, she gave her heart to Jesus because of what the Holy Spirit was doing. So we praise God for the work of the Spirit. And so I am unashamedly a Spirit-filled, Spirit-empowered believer because I believe the answer for Japan is to encounter the reality of the Holy Spirit and the reality of the love of Christ and the power of God at work. And as we do that, we see God working in powerful ways to be able to communicate that message. Now, I want to tell you another story. It'll seem like a detour, but it'll make sense in a moment. It goes back to 1907. How many of you were alive in 1907? Put your hands down. At, were, were you alive? I'm messing with you. You have one right here. You got a live wire, right? All right. So 1907, seven years before the Assemblies of God was formed, and I'll do quick math. Five years, if I'm correct, five years before this church was formed. Is that what I heard somebody say? There was another church. George, will you tell me? 1912 or something. Anyway, so we'll we'll do the math later. We'll figure it out. When was this church started? Early 1900s. Yeah, I think it was. Anyway, so I digress. We can look it up later. Google it. I don't know. Anyway, so uh, anyway, in 1907, a young woman by the name of Lydia Lindsay went to a place called Sendai, Japan as a missionary. She was part of the student movement that was caught up in her. She was in her late 20s, and she just felt compelled to go and do something for Christ. She went there, and she became a teacher at a school that was established as an evangelical school, but a school that would train young Japanese women in a culture and a society when women were not elevated. They would give them an education. They would teach them about art and literature and music, and they would also tell them about Jesus Christ. And that was at a place called Miyagi Girls School. You have a picture of it here, one of the dorms from back then. And at Miyagi Girls School, this was taking place. In the first 25 years of this ministry, 50 out of the 51 girls who graduated gave their hearts to Christ. There was such a powerful ministry that was going on there. Well, something called World War II came along. When World War II happened, Lydia Lindsay was on the last ship that left Japan before Pearl Harbor was bombed. She left Japan, and immediately after the war, Lydia Lindsay felt so compelled to go back to Japan, she got on a ship, and her, in her 60s, she went back to Japan, back to the Sendai region, continued to help. Some of the buildings had been bombed, and she helped to rebuild and helped to work together. And, and, and this part of the story shows me this. You see, we have a lot of brokenness and division in our country right now, but there is nothing like the reconciliation power of Christ. There's nothing like the blood of Jesus that bridges that gap and the love of Christ that bridges that gap, that breaks down those barriers and those walls. And so it was amazing to see what God was doing in that situation. And so uh, as we saw that, 
Uh, or as she saw that taking place, uh, Lydia Lindsay was awarded in 1951 one of the highest awards given to a citizen by the Emperor of Japan. She actually held court with the Empress of Japan. Why do I tell you that story? To tell you this one. Fast forward to March 2011. There was a 9.0 earthquake that struck off the coast of Sendai, Japan, that same region. When that happened, there were waves that washed 30 miles or six miles inland that were 30 feet high. 20,000 people were killed. 10,800 were from this region. This just happened in 2011. In fact, I was up in Jacksonville. I shared this story in a church, and a man came to me afterwards, and he said, I had a business in that area. He said, after that tsunami took place, he said, I buried 50 of my employees that were killed in that tsunami. And so it was an incredible disaster that was going on, and our hearts were moved for the Japanese people. We were praying that, that somehow that those seeds that were planted in that region all those years ago would produce fruit of people that were now with Christ in eternity, that the hopelessness that was there, the destruction, the devastation would be met by the love and the power of Christ. As we prayed that prayer, I was able to lay my hands on this trunk that we'll show you that was uh, the trunk that Lydia Lindsay took with her when she went to that region and then that she brought back with her afterwards. The reason I was able to lay my hands on this trunk over 100 years old is because that trunk was in our dining room. And the reason the trunk was in our dining room is because Lydia Lindsay is my wife Paula's great, great aunt. For four generations, there has been someone hurt from her family that at one time or another has been in Japan serving as missionaries. And so we are believing that this is the time, this is the season to figuratively fill that trunk with a harvest of souls of people that are coming into the kingdom of God that will know Christ, that will be followers of him and spread the gospel throughout their nation. We're asking you to pray and to believe that with us. And so what we're going to be doing there is this. We've been asked to serve by Jeff Hartensfeld, who is the regional director for Asia Pacific. We've been asked to serve as the lead pastor of Yokota International Christian Assembly, and we'll be pastoring that church. And the next slide shows the areas of focus in that ministry. Uh, Yokota Air Bay is a military base, a U.S. military base that's right across the street. And so we have a ministry to the military members that will be there. Also, it's an international city. There are people from all over the world that come to Tokyo, and especially that region. And here's what's cool about ministering to people in an international setting like that. When they come to faith in Christ, they then take the gospel, and they either tell their family and friends back home, or they go back home, and they relay that to them. And as a result, we have the gospel going from there into places in that region that are considered closed or sensitive countries. And God God is going through them. The gospel is going into those places that we can't send missionaries to because of the type of ministry that happens there. And, of course, the third area is the Japanese. We're called to not only minister to those who are a part of that body of believers, but to raise up and train up a next generation. God's given us a vision to do prayer walks in the train stations that are there that lead into the heart of Tokyo, as well as to be able to raise and train leaders. Japan School of Ministry is taking place there on the campus, as well as other opportunities to just train Japanese leaders in how to move by the power of the Holy Spirit to reach a nation that's so desperate needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we ask you to pray with us and to believe with us. You can get more information on our website. The website is gojapan.ag. Gojapan.ag is a lot easier to remember and spell than Lamadu, so we just went with gojapan.ag. But uh, you can go there and sign up for our newsletter, find out more information, and of course we'll, we'll keep updates going on there. Links to social media is a great way to keep updated on what's going on. But we appreciate your prayers because as the last slide shows, we do believe that there's something that God is doing and that he's working in Japan. We're joining a, a team of people that, and a team of, of a small group of believers there in Japan, but they are mighty in faith and believing God for the salvation of their nation. And so we know 
know God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. To him be glory in the church now and forever because of his grace and his power at work. And so we thank you for standing and believing with us. Amen. God is good. It's so good to be in God's house tonight. Browns, good to see you guys. God bless you. And uh, it's good to be here with you. And one of the privileges pastor's given me is to be able to share the word with you. And so I want to do that a little bit tonight. And uh, I just want to start off by asking a question, and that is this. And, And how many of you have brothers or sisters? Raise your hand, whether they're still with us or not. But you, you grew up in a home where you had brothers and sisters. All right. So I'm going to ask you this question. Did you ever give them something called the silent treatment? You everybody know what I'm talking about with that? You get mad at somebody and you want to give them the silent treatment. And so you basically say nothing to them and they talk to you and you ignore them. Not only do you ignore them, you pretend they don't even exist in that space where you are. And so that's one of the ways of irritation and one of the ways to kind of get at somebody. And so as a child, when I was upset at my sisters, I have two sisters. They're twins. They're identical twins. They're about three years younger than me. And they even had their own language when they were young. They were so close. And so if I wanted to kind of get at them, I would just ignore them and pretend they weren't there. And then they would sometimes do that to me. And this is our little punishment for each other. Thankfully, we've, we've grown out of that. So anyway, um, you know, last year. Anyway, no, no, just kidding. So... <laughs> So this is a way that sometimes silence can be so difficult. And I want to refer to another silent period there. And it was called the silent years that were the 400 years of silence that were given to that intertestamental period between the Old and the New Testament. You see, during that time, there was not a great prophet that rose up. There wasn't someone that was speaking to the people of God. And so there was this seeming silence that was there. But even though there was a seeming silence, there, was, there were still things that were going on. We'll go ahead to the next slide there and show that. This silent period was taking place. We'll go to the next one there. We're just going to do a lot of next, next, next. So we'll go to the next one. Um, Jimmy and I have not rehearsed this, so uh, forgive me for a little bit of a delay there. And then one more there. So here are some things that were going on in the intertestamental period. So what was going on is that many Jews had returned from the, the Medo-Persian Empire, and so there were, was a gathering of people that were there, and the temple was rebuilt during this time. And then there was a, a moderate level of revival that happened under Ezra. There was some resurgence of people that were wanting to see some things take place. Um, they still did not live as God had instructed them, as you see on the slide. And by the way, I'm going to have slides tonight. Some of them I'll just flash up there and we'll move on or we might even skip because I'm not going to give you the whole load tonight because it's probably about two sermons in one. Uh, it's, this is a teaching, but I felt specifically led to focus on a couple of points for us this evening that directly apply to the heart of God and uh, how we can walk in this. And so look what was going on here. The, the Israelite men uh, mistreated their wives. They married women who didn't follow the Lord. They refused to honor God with their giving. And meanwhile, the priests rejected the temple and their responsibility to teach God's laws. And so there were a lot of negative things that were going on there. And at this point, something was taking place that that there was a a hunger and a desire for God to speak. Now, I want to ask you on a personal level, have you ever felt like God was giving you the silent treatment? Like, like God wasn't speaking. Have you ever gone through a period in your life where you're like, I'm praying, but God, I'm not hearing God. I'm not hearing anything. God, where are you? Now, a couple of things on that. First of all, how many of us know that God does play a little game that we used to play as children called hide-and-go-seek? Anybody know that? Because God will at times pull himself away so that we press in deeper, so that we press in more, so that we press in further. Sometimes as we grow in our faith, we mistake the silence of God for a dispassion of God. But it's the opposite. It's his call for us to press in and come closer. The silence of God is a call for us to draw near, and he will draw near to us, as the scripture says. And so at those times and those seasons, and we are going through a season, I will not call it an unprecedented time because enough people have called it that. So we won't even refer to it that way. 
way. But in this season that we're in of life right now, people are looking for answers. They're looking for the voice of God. And sometimes they bemoan the fact that we don't hear from God, but it's because God really wants us to draw deeper and to step closer to him and draw near to him and to worship him. And then suddenly you receive a word from the Lord. Maybe it comes because someone speaks to you and they share a a word that God's given. Or maybe you're praying and, and God just speaks. Maybe you're reading the scripture and something, some passage, maybe even a phrase just leaps from the scripture and you know God has spoken to you. How many have had a time in your life when you've been just searching and going through something and God either sends someone or speaks through scripture or says something and you know, yes, God, you just spoke. You just gave me an answer. I just heard from heaven. What a powerful moment that is when we hear from heaven. How marvelous it is when this prophetic word breaks through the silence. And I want to talk to you tonight about the prophetic voice and how God breaks through the silence with a prophetic voice. A couple of scriptures, Proverbs chapter 25, 11. I think we've got slides for these. Uh, it says this. Like apples of gold and settings of silver is a word spoken in right circumstances. Like apples of gold and settings of silver is a word spoken in right circumstances. How precious that right word at the right time in the right season truly is. It says in Proverbs fifteen twenty three, a man has joy in an apt answer and how delightful is a timely word. And here's what I want us to know tonight, that God is not silent. I'm going to say it again. God is not silent. Why don't you just say it out loud with me? God is not silent. We serve a God who speaks. He most often speaks through the Holy Spirit. He inspires us. He gives direction. He speaks through the word of God. He gives that inspiration through the word of God that we see. And when this takes place, when God speaks, we see something happen. And it's this moment where he speaks. But there are other times where there's a prophetic word where God just speaks through someone or through, uh, you know, a, a spokesman or spokesperson that's able to communicate that message. And you and I long for God to speak. Our brothers and sisters in Christ long to hear a message from the Lord. And, and so this is what we come to is that as the church, as the disciples of Jesus Christ, we are to be a prophetic voice to our culture. We are to be a prophetic voice to our church. We're to be a prophetic voice to our community. When we open our mouths and speak something that is from the heart of God, it should resonate in the soul of man in such a way they know that God has just spoken to me. There is something that should resonate in the spirit of man when we're gathered as a body of believers and says, this is God speaking in our midst. Well, there was someone who who understood why all of this was to take place. And I want to give you a simple word. If you're taking notes, write down this simple two, two uh, word phrase or three word phrase, God's redemptive plan. God's redemptive plan is what is always being communicated when he communicates in this way. Take a look, if you would, please, at Luke chapter two. There was a uh, in verse 36, a prophetess by the name of Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years and lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. Then as a widow to the age of 84, she never left the temple, serving night and day with fastings and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all who were looking for the redemption of Israel. Look at that. To all who were looking for the redemption of Israel. There was some specific plan to this. So she comes up and in that moment, she recognizes Christ. She gives thanks because she knows this is it. This is the baby. This is the one. This is the promise. 400 years of silence, but a woman who was there in her 80s, who was in that temple there, she steps up and says, this is the one. In that moment, her prophetic voice in that community that's recorded now for all to see in Scripture is a broad announcement that the redemptive plan of God is being fulfilled, this in our very sight for her and for those that were around her. 
And so notice a few things about her prophetic voice. First of all, she remained faithful to ministering to the Lord. If we want to have a prophetic voice to our community, to our church, to those around us, we have to stay faithful to ministering the Lord. So first of all, thank you for being here on a Wednesday night. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for those that are watching online. Thank you for your faithfulness of being able to tune in and be a part of what God's doing. Staying faithful to God. We are so caught up in a society that wants to have the highs and, and live for the adrenaline. But great is the faithfulness of God, but so also the faithfulness of those who just walk after God and follow him day by day. Um, the second thing is her preparation was to be in the right spirit and the right attitude. She was continually in worship. She was in prayer. She was fasting. She was serving the Lord. All of these were a fundamental part. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something here. I'm going to give permission to 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 uh, pastor to correct anything that I say if he disagrees. And the reason I do that is because he is the, the pastor over this house. And I'm going to say some things that I want. I don't want any awkwardness. You feel free to correct it. But here's the thing. We need to have a prophetic voice in our community. But in, especially in Pentecostal circles, sometimes the prophetic gets a little weird when people use the term prophetic. OK, anybody ever seen some weird stuff? OK, just some crazy things that go on. So here's the thing. When we talk about this, let's not exclude the prophetic because of the abuses. Let's understand that God still speaks to and through his people. But in this, sometimes people will say, well, I'm a prophet or I want to be a prophet or they'll self-claim this gift, but they're not faithful in ministering and serving the Lord. They're not humble. They don't stay devoted to the spiritual disciplines. And it becomes an emotional roller coaster that is there more so than God often speaking. And so the important thing for us, if we want to be used when we walk out of these doors and go into our community, if we want to be used when that family member or friend picks up a phone and calls us and say, says, I need, I need some words, I need some advice. If we want to be used when we're walking through the grocery store and God God just stops us and alerts us to to step and to slow down in that moment and have that conversation. If we are going to be used as the people of God who have a prophetic voice, we must practice the disciplines that prepare us to be the vessel of God in that moment and that time. And as we do that, God is able to use us and able to step into that moment. She was also speaking a prophetic word to a specific group of people, and they were open to receive the word. Now, I want to look at the context of that. She was aware of the spiritual nature of this. And, and I'm not going to get a lot into this, so we're going to skip over that. But basically, how many of us know, according to 1 Corinthians, that, that God's spirit speaks to our spirit? Okay, Can we understand that his spirit speaks to our spirit? We could get into the proof text and discovering this and all this, but I just want to kind of understand that tonight. But here's the big thing I want to focus on tonight, and this is where I think it really breaks down and applies to us. First Corinthians chapter 12, verses one and two. And uh, and Jimmy, we're looking at this part that says the God who speaks is not a mute idol. Okay, and and it picks up that scripture at first Corinthians chapter 12, verses one and two. It says this now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know, when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols. However, you were led. I want you to notice the label that Paul puts on the idols. Imagine you're Paul. Imagine you're walking around the city and you see idols. You see these objects to which people are praying, objects which people will venerate and put upon their, their mantles or they'll put by their door. In Japan, they had the, 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 shish dogs that would, the shish dogs that would be on either side. One had an open mouth, one had a closed mouth. And supposedly the good spirits were let in by the one with the open mouth and the bad spirits were kept out by the one with the closed mouth. My question was always what would happen in your home if you mixed up the placement of the two? I don't know. It could be trouble. But anyway... But, but these types of things, or you go to places where there are idols, they're made of wood, they're made of metal. Uh, of course, we know Ephesus, there was a great deal of, of a silver idol making that was going on. And so idols that were around in that time, Paul looks at these and he could have used any term 
for the idols. I want you to understand the importance of this adjective. He could have used any term. He could have said that you have these powerless idols. You have this stupid idols. You have these weak idols. You have these man-made idols. You have these uh, uh, whatever. But he chose a specific word. The word he chose was the word mute. You are worshiping a God who does not speak to you. You are worshiping a God that cannot communicate to you. You are worshiping a mute idol. And this is the importance of understanding the spiritual nature of man, to know that we must hear from the God who created us. We must hear from the one who made us. We must hear from the one who gives us the very life that we have. Do you know that that happens through the communication process? And oftentimes, as we as believers communicate to something else, we are carrying the very words of God that make God not mute, but speaking and not only speaking, but speaking through us. Do you know God gave us breath to worship, but he also gave us breath to communicate? Did you know that tonight in your worship set, every one of the three songs had something that talked about breath? God gives us breath not just to live. He gives us breath to speak life into others who need to hear. God gives us breath because the idol that, that man serves is mute, but a God who speaks is present and working among us. And this is what's so powerful in a missional context. As we go to Japan, we are prepared to present to those who are wondering, what about this and that spiritually? This is not something you see at a Shinto temple. This is not something you see at the Buddhist temple. This is not the, the stick that's there on your, in your butsudan, in your home. This is not something that sits by the doorway. This is a God who speaks. And he is a God who is not mute. He is a God who speaks. In order for people to see that, the people of God must be able to communicate the message of God. And that's where God gives us that prophetic voice to be able to declare that. Then as we pray, as we believe together, uh, this is important. We, we live in a world that's searching for meaning. We're, we're living in a world that's looking for something. And, and we say, well, does the world today that we're in an American culture have mute idols? Well, we may not make wooden idols, but we look for meaning in the voices of our culture that can only speak to the flesh of man. They can speak to the soul of man. They can speak to the intellect, to the emotion, to the volitional uh, voices that can move us to action, voices that can move our hearts, voices that can make us think. But we do not have voices in our culture outside of the community of God that speak to the spirit of man. And because of that, all of our idols that we have placed before us are nothing more than mute idols. Church, I want to tell us that we should be careful to recognize that there are things that we are involved in and we should be good stewards of what's, what, what, we're, what is committed to us as the rights and privileges and responsibilities. But church, we are living in a world that is hungry. We're living in a world that is thirsty. We're living in a world that is gasping for the breath of life that comes from the heart of God. And we do not want to present to them a mute idol. We want to present to them the life that's found in the Spirit of God. And so those idols that we have are idols like politicians and government. How many know that politicians and say a lot of things. There's a lot of breath there, usually very warm. And so, so we, we have all of this that comes. And you say, well, how can they be mute? They're saying so much. I don't know if you watch it, but there's a point where I just want to turn it off because it's not speaking to my spirit. It's not giving life to my spirit. It's not even giving life to my soul. But man, when the word of God comes, when I hear the word of God speak, when I hear the spirit of God speak, something leaps in me because I know that's not a mute idol. That's not an idol that's just making sounds but is not communicating to my spirit. That's something that rises up in me. And it's the same for education and academia. I'm, I'm, I'm a believer in education. I also have my advanced degree. But, but it doesn't matter because what is important 
saved is that as a means to an end, to be able to understand a greater way to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. And also entertainment, movies and music. We say, well, that's not mute. It plays through the sound system. It plays through our stereo. It plays through our... No, it's mute because it does not speak to the spirit unless it's infused with a believer who's communicating the message of God. And so we live in a culture that is still living among mute idols, causes, movements, inspirational speakers. And so some may speak to the mind with information. I think we have this slide. I want to just put this one up. Some speak to the mind with information. They educate us. Others speak to the heart with inspiration. They do inspire us and we're moved emotionally. Some will speak to the will with motivation to change the inclination. We will incline ourselves to act differently because something a motivational speaker says. But only God can speak to our spirit in inspiration and literally breathe into us the life that comes from the living God. And so this is why it's important that we have this breath. And so the Holy Spirit is at work. And if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols. There it is. However, you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the spirit of God says Jesus is a curse. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts. And uh, let's put the next slide up there. Let's let's see here. Yeah, we're going to just walk through this varieties of gifts. This gifts are the word charisma. Okay, and what this is, is a gift of favor without merit of the receiver. Paul says of the same spirit. Here's what we gain from it. It's on the slide there. This speaks to us in that the gifts are given without merit. Right now, you might exclude yourself from this and say, well, God doesn't really want to use me to have a prophetic voice to people and to the world and all these things. Yes, he does. Because it's not something you manufacture. It's something that's a gift that's given to God. That word in that right season, that ability to speak into somebody's life. And so this speaks to the people of God to be reminded that whether we're here or whether we're going to, to another country across the world, that God is speaking through his people and he is the one that is the giver of these gifts. There are varieties of ministries. The Echonia, the service that ex- executes the commands of another, that we're called to serve. Uh, the next slide points that out, that we're called to serve with these gifts. The purpose of the prophetic voice is not to draw attention to ourselves, but to serve the redemptive purposes of God. And so we have to have a heart that says, Lord, I'm here to serve you. When's the last time you went into a grocery store and said, Lord, I'm coming into the store to serve you and your purposes? Now, I'll confess, there are many times I don't do that. I'm there to get the frozen yogurt, especially at Publix, all right? That's why I went in. That's my focus. I know where it is. And then they rearrange a store. I move to a different area, and they've changed the layout, and I've got to figure all that out. And then I go there, and I find it, and I've got to pick which one I want. And I'm trying not to be that guy that stands with the door open so it all fogs up, but I really can't see it. And then I'm trying to, you know, this. And all of a sudden, somebody comes and says something to me. And I'm like, yeah, 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 because all i got in my mind right now is that double chocolate fudge brownie frozen yogurt that's in there calling my name. That's it. That's all I'm focused on. And then there's an opportunity to serve the Lord. There's an opportunity to speak to someone. There's an opportunity to let God use you in that moment. And that has to be our heart. It says there are varieties of gifts. Uh, The the word we get the word energy from the working of power on someone's behalf. It's God who's doing the work. But each one is given the manifestation where it's revealed or made known. Those things that are hidden are made revealed. So there are three categories of the prophetic, the office of the prophet, which I'm not going to talk about a lot tonight. The operation of the prophetic as a gift, which is First Corinthians 12, where we just read some of this is one of the gifts of the spirit that is there. But the third area I want to focus on, and it's this. It is this area of 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 how God speaks to us as the overflow of the prophetic, the overflow of the prophetic when we love God and boldly declare his word through the power of the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians 14 verses one through five. Take a look, if you would, please. It says, pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. 
For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands, but his spirit, he speaks mysteries. But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but one who prophesies edifies the church. Now, I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. And greater is the one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so the church may receive edifying. The church has a role today. The role of the church is to speak what God is communicating to the people around us. The role of the church is to share the love of Christ, to be able to communicate that. And so we're called to prophesy. We're called to declare that. And so this is what is so important for us to recognize is that God is working through us in a powerful way. The church is, the slide shows that the church has a role in the world today. We are to be a prophetic voice to a lost world of God's redemptive plan. Let me say that again. We are to be a prophetic voice to a lost world of God's redemptive plan. I want you to think for just a moment. What if no one ever told you about Jesus? What if you did not even know the gospel? What if you walked up to a building and looked at a cross and had no idea what it meant? You had no idea that the one who hung on that cross gave his life that we might live. You have no idea that on that cross flowed the blood that gives us life and healing and strength and power. You had no idea that the one who was on that cross was then laid into a grave. That he died that we might live. How many remember that old song, Lord, I lift your name on high? It's not that old, but Lord, I lift your name on from high. He came from heaven to earth, from the earth to the cross, from the cross to the grave, to the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on high. What if you didn't know that he was raised up to life? What if you didn't know that he ascended and sits at the right hand of the Father, ever interceding for us? What if you didn't know someone told you? But you see, there's a part of that song that's missed. The part of that song is between the grave and the sky. It's the part where Jesus stood right before his disciples, before he ascended, and he looked at them and said, go into all the world and make disciples. It's that point where the communication of the gospel message was not just the part of that baby that was to become and recognized by Anna in the temple, where the communication of the gospel message wasn't just for a handful of select believers, where it wasn't just for those that sat around that table at the Last Supper, where the communication of the gospel was placed in the hands of each and every disciple by our Lord himself when he said, we are all to go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. But here's the wonderful part. Lo, I am with you always. Where we go, he goes. But here is the fact of which I am convinced. It is not just in our going that the gospel is proclaimed. It is in our speaking as well. In church, I believe one of the things that the enemy has done to the American church today is he has muted our voices. We don't serve a God who is mute, but we have become mute in our service to God. We have become silent Oftentimes, and I'm thankful it wasn't the case tonight, but I'll stand in a worship service and I'll look around and people will be observing. They won't be singing and declaring the praises of God. When we're called to prayer, we bow our heads and we sit silently and we say nothing. And when it's an opportunity to speak to someone, we mumble a few words or we may forget what we wanted to say. Church, it's time for the church to get her voice back. It is time for the church to speak again. It is time for the church to have a prophetic voice in a world that desperately needs Jesus. How do we do that? A couple of uh, practical tips I want to give you. I think we've got a slide at the very end, but if not, don't worry about it because this is pretty easy. Number one, let's start at the place of worship. 
When you start worshiping the Lord, do not be an observer. Lift your hands, lift your voices, sing and proclaim the glory of God. Become active and vocal in your worship. In your worship, as you are singing, certain things will begin to resonate in your spirit. You will sing a phrase about let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And something will stir in you to begin to praise the Lord. And you will resonate on that phrase and declare it and begin to speak it and begin to know God is doing this. As you worship and you sing it, there will be something that happens in the community of believers, especially those who are spirit empowered where no longer will the words on the screen be sufficient but you'll burst into your own words singing in the spirit and singing in, in with understanding and praying in the spirit and praying with understanding and god will begin to speak to you within that worship time he'll begin to flow through you in that worship time he'll begin to manifest himself in that time and church this is the point of training this is the point of preparation this is the point where god is using us and preparing us and then when it's time to pray church can i tell you one thing that we must do which is we must Pray out loud. I know this is a strong word tonight, but I'm urging you to pray out loud. Here's the really cool part. When I was a kid, well, not a kid, but when I, you know, 16, 17 driving, if you were to drive down the road and you're just praying out loud while you're driving, people thought you were nuts. They call the police. There's a guy going down the highway. He's going down Route 2. He's just talking to himself. I don't know what's going on. Send a police officer. Something's wrong with this guy, you know. Now with Bluetooth in the car and headsets and everything else, you're just talking there in the car to God out loud or singing or whatever. People don't think anything of it. They don't even bat an eye. So you can be praying out loud in your car. You can pray out loud in your house. You can pray out loud in the church. And instead of a posture of prayer that is is bowed down and penitent, which there is a time and a place for that, but there are also times to lift up your eyes to the hills where your help comes from, to begin to pray prayers that declare the glory of God, that declare the power of God, that declare the victory of God. I don't want you to pray for Japan by saying, oh, God, help those poor people. They're dying and they just need Jesus. I want you to pray, God, you are moving in Japan. You are stirring the hearts of people. You are working in a powerful way. You are filling that place with your spirit. You are sending spirit-filled believers into into darkness, and you're doing it so the light and light of, of Christ would shine. People's hearts are being opened. Eyes are being opened. The veil is being lifted. People are seeing, and you declare the glory of God. And here's the powerful part about praying out loud in the prophetic voice and how it all ties together. How many have ever prayed out loud, and you've been praying for something out loud, and you hear yourself say it, and you think, that was the stupidest thing I've ever prayed in my life? Anybody ever done that, or is it just me? All right, be on. I asked you to raise your hands for a lot of things tonight. How many have ever done that? Just raise your hand if you've ever done that. All right, thank you. A few more honest people. Pastor, I think we had revival. A few more just got honest tonight, all right? So you do that, and you hear that. Why is that? Because... The work of the spirit is not processed through your mind. The work of the spirit is processed through your spirit. And when you pray and you begin to hear those words, your spirit is processing them as well. And if it aligns with the word and the will and the purpose and the spirit of God, you're going to know and it's going to resonate. And you'll begin to pray and you'll latch onto that and you'll declare it and you'll continue to pray and you'll continue to do that. And you sense something that you might even sense in this room right now. And that is the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit and the stirring of his spirit that happens. And when you sense that and the next time you're standing in Publix at the frozen yogurt session with a door open and it all fogging up looking at that chocolate fudge brownie yogurt and you sense the presence of God, you know it's time to close that door, look around, because God's given you a word to say. You have a prophetic voice. It's time to speak it. It's time to use it. May God give us a prophetic voice where we are today. May he give us a prophetic voice in this community. May he give us a prophetic voice in this season in our nation when people are talking and the news heads are talking and the politicians are talking, but we have a lot of mute idols and the world is looking for a church that speaks with the power and the message of a living God. And 
in this day, may we also take the power of the Holy Spirit across this land and across the sea and to every nation, every tribe, every tongue, that they too might hear the prophetic voice of a God who speaks and says to them, I love you. I know you. I'm calling you by name. I gave my life that you might live and I offer you new life that's found only in Jesus. When we declare, then people will respond to the prophetic voice of God at work in the world today by his spirit and his power, all to the glory of God in Jesus name. Pastor, come if you would, please. Amen. Put your words in our mouth. Amen. Use us to speak that word. Amen. Oh, Lord. Lord, we just will pray a seal upon the message and then we're going to pray for our brother. So two prayers. Let's seal the message. Father, give us ears to hear and hearts to receive the word you spoke to us tonight. And Lord, help us to grow more and more sensitive to your voice, that we might be led of the Spirit, that we might be able to declare your goodness and your mercies in this present age, that we might be vessels that you can flow through and touch through and speak through, that from our yielded lips the goodness of God can be boldly proclaimed. And you can use us, Lord, in sensitive ways. You can use us, Lord, in strategic ways. But, Lord, we offer ourselves as living sacrifices. And we pray, Lord, give us ears to hear and give us hearts to receive and anoint our lips that through us your word can go forth with grace and power to bring hope, to bring healing, to bring awakening to our world in Jesus' name. And now, brother, why don't you stand and face the people. Let's lift our arms towards our brother. Let's pray for Brother Lamadou. Father, in the name of Jesus, we Thank you for our brother and his wife and their family as they go. Father God, open doors that will amaze them. Open many doors that will amaze them. Give them favor beyond their wildest dream. And Father, use them not just to touch a few, but use them to reap a great harvest. Use them to bring in large nets of souls into the kingdom. Oh God, a fresh anointing, a fresh mantle, of your spirit upon them and let the word go forth with the demonstration of your power let the word go forth with mighty demonstrations of signs wonders and miracles that men would believe and see the reality of the risen Christ Father use them in a great way meet all their needs Father begin to supply all the budgets begin to send in the money begin to work everything in place Lord all the logistics and Father we pray give them your vision to give them a deposit of faith to believe for great things. And, Father, use them to reap a mighty harvest in this hour in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. He's got a table in the back, so see the table and give him a God bless you and have a wonderful night. Don't forget your offering in the back. And bless our brother. Write it down so we can give him all his money. Amen. All right. See you on Sunday.